Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, it's great to see everyone this morning. We're so glad uh, you were here to worship with us this morning. Uh, if you're new to Broadway, we're especially glad you're here. I uh, hope everyone got a bulletin, uh, check things out uh, for announcements, all kinds of things going on. Uh, if you're new, uh, there's a tear-off tab for you. If you could fill that out and drop it in the offering, offering play as it comes by, uh, that can be your gift to us this morning. Um, again, so many things happening. We've got a big student weekend uh, next weekend. I think Daniel's probably going to share a little bit about that, uh, doing my job, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, so we're so excited about that. So many people from uh, our church are helping. And if you say, hey, Zach, uh, if there's a way I can help, uh, I want to help, let me know. Uh, we can certainly find uh, a spot for you to plug in and serve our student ministry for the weekend. We are thrilled uh, about what's ahead. Uh, if you would, please stand for the reading of Scripture as we begin our service today. This is Romans eleven thirty-three through Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways! For who, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Zach. I have two announcements that are uh, coming up right quick. This Thursday, uh, our Young at Heart, we're going to the Derby Dinner Theater on Thursday, and we have four spots available and no waiting list. So if you want to go to that, it's going to be a great program. See Betty. She's behind me now, I think. But uh, see Betty about Thursday if you'd like to go to Derby Dinner Theater with us this coming Thursday. Also, we've been promoting for a while a family trip to Branson. And this is for children and students of any age, parents, grandparents. You can take your children. We're going to go see a great show out there. And it's called Samson. And it's a show that really appeals to all ages. But it's just really an incredible place for children and for students because Besides that show, they have another family show we're going to see and have go-karts and indoor swimming, all kind of stuff. But we need to know like today because I have to complete the reservation process to get this thing to happen. And we're going on the last, we're leaving on the Sunday, the March 31st, get back on Thursday of that week, that's spring break week, April 1st and following. So uh, we'll get back in time if some of you are going to take a trip on your own for the following weekend, you still can do that. But we'd love to have you go. Just see me afterwards. Make sure I know you're on the list, and that'll be good. Have a great time of worship today, beginning with a song called Redeemed. Thank you. 
would you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer this morning? Holy Father, we thank you for this occasion of gathering in your house today to worship and to praise and to glorify you. We want to thank you, Lord, for the countless blessings of how that you open the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings upon us. And oft times, Lord, I fail to give you praise and thanks for it. Help all of us, Lord, to be more remembered, remembering of those precious things that you bestow upon us day by day. Thank you for each person that is gathered here today. No doubt there are special needs, and we know, God, that when we lay them at the foot of the cross, that we have done what you ask us to do, and you will deal with us in accordance unto your will. You're all wise. You are almighty. You are God. And we glorify and praise your name today. We pray, Father, for the messenger and the message that is brought today. May it call us to Jesus. May we focus unto him. And, Father, if there be one here today that has never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, Father, may they hear your word and the Holy Spirit tugging at their hearts, and they'll come to know you as Savior and Lord, surrendering unto you. Father, we are always prone to put things off and say later, later. But this can be the hour for someone or some, those that need to make decisions today. We pray for all of the uh, activities of this day for our services tonight. We pray, Father, that your hand would guide us and direct us that's in the days ahead. Help us that our ears and heart be tuned to you today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. John chapter 12, 28 is a very simple scripture where Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. Let me raise hands and glorify that name.
is thy name, and we want to praise you for that this morning as we come to worship you. As we come to this part of the service now where we can return a portion of what you've entrusted to us, we pray that you'll bless these tithes and offerings as they are used to further your work here in the church and in the world. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen.
Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much for that. So that certainly is. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> I know in your bulletin it also says there about Proverbs, but I'll read those scripture because our main passage here, we're going to look at today, we're talking about restoring broken relationships. I'm going to read three different scripture passages. Make sure you pull out your sermon notes right here and um, you'll be able to follow along in um, I'm going to read here uh, out of Proverbs chapter 19. We're all going to focus the main passage on Matthew 18. In fact, I'll read that last. As well as we're going to look here in our Bibles about in uh, Colossians chapter 3. 
Last Friday night, we did something new. We had a, a men's event. It's called a wild game dinner. We ended up with 16 different types of meat. Now, it was the first time we've done this, so we did not know what to expect. And uh, Bob Tanner was our main cook. Walt Bowman certainly helped him. They did a great job cooking. Now, we were planning for 75 guys. Uh, you know, these type of events, you just don't know what to expect to come there. So uh, Bob said, he said, you know, 75 will, will be fine with food. And we might be able to feed 100. If we start getting over 100, we're going to have to start controlling portions. And if it gets too high over 100, he says he's just going to walk out. We just run out of food. So um, we had 117. We have, we have counters. Uh, um, Don Hassel, as well as Rob Bygrave, we, all the guys always wear name tags. So we know how many name tags we give away. We had 117 folks there. And two of them were women. So 115 men came. Two ladies snuck in. And we gave away prizes. Even, uh, even one of the ladies, she actually won one of the prizes there. It was a fantastic event. Great turnout. Great food. Hopefully all the guys loved it. We'll have to do it again. The speaker was something else. He shared something. He said, you will not find an atheist as one who's an outdoorsman. Outdoorsmen believe in God. You know why? Because when you go hunting and you see fishing, and you go fishing, you see you're part of the, the creation that God certainly made. He had a very challenging message for men. And uh, we had a little decision cards everybody filled out for the drawing. And Brother Hurd shared with me afterwards, about 15 or so uh, folks indicated uh, decisions for Christ. So that's, Brother Hurd's going to follow up with that. That's a fantastic event to have uh, for our first year. We, we were borderline running out of food. I mean, we were scraping the bottom of the barrel there, those last few folks who went through. So uh, our hamburgers and hot dogs saved us. So that was last week. So I, was, I appreciate all the men um, the guy, Gary, he told me, he says, ask for, he says, Daniel, you want to fill this fellowship hall up? You, next year, you give away a hunting trip. There'll be 350 men in this fellowship hall. <laughs> Unbelievably packed. He says, a hunting trip will get folks. It's the prizes. Because you think about it. Prizes are what get lost people. Lost folks, an unchurched man's not coming to hear a preacher or a, or a men's, men's speaker. They're coming to win a hunting trip. So if any of y'all know of a, a hunting cabin or a hunting trip, I need one next, next February, and we'll give it away. We're going to have a, that's going to be a, Huey's over our giveaway, so he'll, he'll be uh, giving that away. So that was our event. Next weekend, I want to tell y'all what's going on. We have an exciting weekend plan. Zach Bowers, our minister of students, he always starts all of our uh, services off with scripture. Last year, we had something called D-Now. When I was growing up at my church, my Southern Baptist church as well as Sherry's, we went to D-Now. D-NOW stands for Disciple Now. What it is, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event for middle and high schoolers. And they come here to the church, and they have a worship band. Uh, they have uh, uh, guest speakers always speaking, and they spend the night at different folks' home. Like the middle school boys are at our house. So it'll be a wild weekend. So what it is, is um, last year we had 26 teenagers total come. This year, Zach told me this morning, we've already registered 41. And that's encouraging. That's great. So if you're, t if you're, uh, we've already broke last. If you have, if you have teenagers, Miller High Schoolers, or if you have children or grandchildren, they need to come. It's only 35 bucks. That includes their t-shirt. Next year, if you have a D-Now t-shirt, Zach ordered 100 t-shirts. You need to wear your t-shirt to church. Next Sunday, 
uh, the gentleman from Oklahoma, I forgot his name, he's going to be preaching and uh, the band's going to be leading the worship, the D-Now leaders, the kids will be up here, it'll be, it's a big youth service, a great way to celebrate that. Zach's going to be having baptism, if you want to receive baptism by Zach Bauer next Sunday, you walk forward to the aisle at the end of this service and we can baptize you, so everybody needs to be, um, uh, receive believer's baptism with that. So we're very encouraged with our D-Now Weekend. Zach also has invited a couple other churches. We have three other churches that will be coming here as well. So uh, he says they're each going to bring about 10 folks. So there, that's 71 folks already signed up. So when you add it all together, you know, we'll probably have 75 kids here the next weekend worshiping in our um, sanctuary. So that's very encouraged, a great blessing for our youth group. If you want to help out with D-Now, Zach, raise your hand. He's sitting right there. You let him know. Let me tell you what you'll be doing. They're doing a scavenger hunt, and that's a Lexington scavenger hunt. That's not a church. That's all over the city at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Saturday night, they have the prices right. So he's going to be giving away some prizes. You have to, they're playing a game. They give away some prizes. Zach, are you giving away a hunting trip? <laughs> no hunting trips. So <laughs> those aren't the prizes, I guess, that appeal to them. So that's what some of the three. That's next weekend at our church with that. Uh, so uh, open your Bibles here. We are wrapping up. A, uh, this is the fourth part of a sermon series on relationships. This is a message here about what do we do when you know of someone and you have all of a sudden there is a broken relationship. We're going to see what the Bible says. What do you do when someone sins against you or someone says something gossipy or does something hurtful or all of a sudden you were once close with the family member and something happened and there was a uh, break in that friendship or that marriage or that relationship whatever it would be there was hurt that was involved the bible speaks to this so we're going to see what the scriptures say and we always uh, certainly need to start with bible so i'm going to read the scripture here proverbs 19 don't turn to this one i just want to read it to you because we're going to mainly focus on the matthew passage proverbs 19 11 says a person's insight gives him patience and his virtue is to overlook an offense Oh, it is virtuous for someone to overlook an offense. We're going to talk about that, so remember that there. I want to flip over here in Colossians. Colossians 3, 12. Look what, look what the Bible says here. I'll read it for you. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. <clears throat> I love reading. I get the flashing lights, so I can. I just want to see my skills. If I can, <laughs> y'all can leave it on, so I can <laughs> see if I can. I read with a flashing light with me. That was the test with that. But the very last verse, I want to. I want y'all to highlight this right here. Very part of verse thirteen. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, look at this church. So you are also to forgive. Jesus is telling us, because He has forgiven you and I, we must forgive others. That's very important when dealing with someone who has hurt you, someone who has offended you. Alright, open your Bibles now, and now everybody needs to turn to this passage. This is our main passage here. Matthew chapter 18. I want you to follow along, because I want to read this. Because this is the biblical model of what to do when a relationship, a sin has committed, when there's an interpersonal relationship problem. It says here in your Bibles, Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, so right there, your brother 
Now, we're not literally talking about your brother, so if you don't have a brother, say, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Brother means a Christian, a fellow believer. If your fellow believer sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. We're, there's three steps to this. So, step one, someone sins against me, I go to them one-on-one. In private means I don't write about it on Facebook, I don't go start talking to other people, I don't talk to 27 people before I go talk to them. It means I need to talk to this person, and maybe there was a misunderstanding, and they didn't understand how hurtful this was to me, but their one-on-one conversation needs to start. That is the first way. If you're not going to overlook something, your first step is you go to that man-to-man, woman-woman. You're going to go and we're going to talk about what just happened. Number two, if he listens to you, you've won over your brother. So ideally, the goal is reconciliation. Say, hey, they listened to me. We're, We're back. We've forgiven each other. The relationship has been restored. All right? Verse 16. If he won't listen, take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. So, I've been hurt. I went one-on-one, and it just, you know, it didn't work out. Things got maybe worse, or they didn't see what I saw. So, you bring someone or two people with you. And these are other, other believers you bring with you. Remember the goal is not to put them down and to shoot them. The goal is reconciliation. We've got two Christians here. We've been hurt. We want to try to make this better. So the goal, obviously, is um, to say, hey, this is now two people encouraging a um, forgiveness to occur. An apology, repentance. Verse 17 If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell it to the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you. By my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am among them. So the third step is if you have a couple of folks, two or three folks, and you go and talk to someone, and they still refuse to listen, to bring it to a church. Bring it to the church. Here are the principles in your little sermon now. Here are the principles believers must remember. When you go and you're trying to restore a broken relationship you need to remember that the gospel calls us to peace we're called to peace we're called to be peacemakers so that has to be an underlining motive going says i'm going to confront i'm bringing two or three people with me ultimately to bring this to peaceful resolution not only that scripture calls us to honor gossip and putting negativity is not honorable Honor is saying, I want what's best for this person and this situation here. So we're going to hear, we're here to fear the king, fear God, obey the king, and to honor everyone. The Bible tells us we're to honor other folks. We don't put other folks down. Number three, God calls us to humility. The goal in reconciliation is not to be right. You don't want to walk away and think, I won. 
I knew I was right. You cannot have value in having the last word. The last word is no, you want to the walk away feeling I'm a winner, you're a loser. If we have the goal of reconciliation is a win-win, not I'm the winner, Sherry, you lost that one. Too bad. That's one point for me. If if there's a winner, and if there's a winner and a loser in any type of rec uh, reconciliation, you it's, it hasn't been, nothing's been accomplished. Everyone should walk away thinking I've won. Now, so we start out here. Look, at, follow the format. You first go in private with the intention of reconciliation. If that doesn't work out, you bring another believer with you. Says we need to talk about this. If that doesn't work out, it says tell it to the church. Well, what does that mean? <clears throat> I want to give you. I have to be careful sharing this, but I want to share with you. I have seen this happen one time. Tell it to the church. About six years ago at our church in Georgia, this came all the way up to the church. And I'm not using any names. I'm going to have to change some things around to protect people's identity. Not Sherry and I's identity, but other folks. We had a deacon, and uh, a guy in his 30s or so, <clears throat> and his wife ran off him. She went and found another man, and they had one child. And she uh, moved in with this other guy. This guy was active on the deacon body. I mean, just godly man. And he was broken. Like, this wasn't somebody who came to church once a season. Like, this guy was at church Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, he was very active. Well, his wife, um, she just, she wasn't on board. So she went off and ran off with someone else. Moved in with the guy. He comes and talked to me. And uh, he says, Daniel, will you reach out to my wife? I tried to reach out to her. That didn't go very well at all. Um, she hung up on me. So I thought, well, this didn't, didn't go well. She was not interested in, you know, hey, let's try to, you know, this isn't appropriate. This is sinful. This is, this is not the lifestyle God has called us to as believers. Well, we were following Matthew 18. And because, I mean, the whole church knows this. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it's not a secret at this point. You know, you know, says, where's your wife at? That used to come, now she's not there. And then, you know, children tell you everything, so children, children know that. So they were telling the Sunday school teachers, all their friends. Well, the next step, we had a women's, real good women's ministry at our church. We had our women's ministry, a leader and another lady. They tried to talk to this lady, too. Well, that got shut down, too. She's basically said, this lady, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not interested. I've moved on. I've got a new man, whatever. I don't have anything to do. So now... Here we are at level two, and it didn't, it didn't go over very well. So what we did as a church, we wrote a letter, sent a certified letter. It came, it came from the deacon body. We wrote this letter saying, ma'am, I'm not going to say her name, but if, you know, this, we quoted the scripture. It says, you know, your lifestyle, what you've chosen is sinful and wrong. If you don't, you know, repent and you know, we'll accept you back in the fellowship, fellowship of the church. It's not like we're kicking you out. We're welcoming you back in. This is a, we call you back to Christ to repentance. The goal of this letter is reconciliation. If you don't repent of your sin and turn to the Lord, we're not going to let you be a member anymore of our church. So we, we mailed that and had it certified, return receipt. 
church, we even read it to the church and business meeting, this is what we're doing, we're sending this letter, the church voted us that we approve this letter be sent to this young lady that's living in sin, and because uh, she wasn't, you know, once she had left the guy, she wasn't coming to church anymore, so it wasn't like we're seeing her in service on Sundays, but we're seeing him. Well, once she received the letter, she told her, I guess her, now her ex-husband, you know, just take me off the membership roll. So, so she just said, fine, I don't, I don't care about the church anymore, just take me off. And I only say, well, what was the point of doing this? Why, why on earth would a church go through, why, why this humiliation? I want to tell you why we did that. A burden was released. We could genuinely say, that young man, that deacon, we could genuinely say, we did all we could do to help save his marriage, to help save this young person's mother, to let them know, hey, this is not God's standard for living. And we followed the Matthew 18 principle. So when it says to tell it for, to the church, when it says to bring two witnesses, when it says to go one-on-one to that person, the overall goal was repentance and reconciliation. It is not to put people down. And that is the principle we see in peacemaking. You know, one of the things here, uh, Abraham Lincoln, I have a quote up here from Abraham Lincoln. You know, you think, about, you think about a nation divided. You have to go back to 1861. Uh, you, what a, he, he was a president, truly, of a divided nation. And he said, he made the statement one time, if a man ceases to attack me, and Abraham Lincoln got attacked a lot, I never remember the past against him. Many... He basically said, you're not going to attack me. I'm not going to hold your past. One of the greatest spiritual gifts is forgetfulness. What I mean by that is forgetfulness is actually not a spiritual gift. There's actually 21 spiritual gifts in the Bible, forgetfulness one. But it is a gift. If someone has hurt you, that passage we read in Proverbs 19.11 says it is a virtue to overlook an offense. One of the first steps is when you've been hurt, if possible, you really have to ask the question, can I overlook this? Maybe I didn't, maybe I misunderstood what their meaning and intention. Maybe they weren't trying to hurt me. You know, time, many times, just over the weeks and months and years, you just forget what they did, and you just forget about it. And you overlooked it. So... I want to put up here on the screen here, these are the three different ways that people respond to conflict. So this is important because I'm going to show you the two wrong ways, and then I'm going to show you the right way in the Bible, the Bible way. There's three ways people respond to conflict. The first one is escape. This is the, these are escape responses because the truth is when there's conflict, remember conflict provides opportunities. There's opportunities either overlook it, which is forgetfulness, so I'm just going to forget it happened, but it also provides opportunities for reconciliation because everything can't be overlooked. That man's sin at that church in Georgia, we just can't forget that, we can't pretend that didn't happen. That had to be addressed. You know, picking out songs the choir singing, that's stuff you can overlook. Ah, I don't like this song, or I don't like how he or she dresses, but that's not sinful behavior. sexual immorality is sinful behavior. So here are the escape responses. Number one, denial. You can pretend something didn't happen. 
Pretending things didn't happen, denial, that doesn't mean it gets better. Pretending there's no problem doesn't mean the problem goes away. You're escaping when you do this. Number two is flight. This is saying, I'm just going to run away. I'm going to pretend I'm not their friend. I'm not going to talk anymore to this person. I'm just, I'm out of here. I'm done. And a lot of people respond to conflict this way. They just, they leave. They say, it's not for me. I want to show you, this is the third one. This is one, suicide. When someone kills themselves, they're saying, I'm escaping from this life. I don't want to do it. And th these go in progression. First is denial. And then you fly, you flight, you're just out, I'm getting out of here, I'm leaving town, leaving my family, I'm going to go find a new wife, go find a new husband, I'm going to start over again. When you, hear that, when you hear that phrase, I'm starting over again, a lot of times that's flight, thinking you're leaving behind your problems. And then ultimately it's suicide. Those who use escape responses are more interested in avoiding a conflict than resolving it. Remember, the Bible calls us, if we're going to overlook it, you can overlook it, but there are times that it must be resolved. It has to be addressed. And the reason why the Bible says that is because that weight is lifted off. All of a sudden, you have done what you could to reconcile this situation, or at least try to reconcile this situation. An escape response is not a biblical response to conflict. You do not run away from your problems. If you run away, they don't just magically go away and say, well, it never happened. Unless you have the spiritual gift of forgetfulness, then you might forget that it really did happen, but then that's a blessing. So that, that's one extreme. That's the escape. Here's the other one. The other extreme here is the, are what we call attack responses. So here they are. So you're either going to run away from your problems when, when there's a broken relationship, on the other side is you're going to attack. Number one is litigation. You've been heard, so what the best thing to do is sue them. You take everything they have. So I says, we're going to court, and I'm going to rob you and get everything you have. So there, so you're, <clears throat> you're going to court for this. Number two is assault. Now, assault, there's... A lot of different degrees of assault. Assault can include gossip. You can, you're assaulting someone when you talk about it. Other way, the other extreme of assault is you punch them in the face and you beat them up. Or you at least try to beat them up. So you can um, certainly assault someone. And then all the way at the bottom, the farthest extreme in an attack response to conflict is murder. I know that's an extreme, but listen, when someone kills someone... They aren't doing it calmly. I've never killed anybody, but I'm guessing they probably aren't doing it calmly, thinking, I'm just casually going to shoot you with a big smile on my face, with happy thoughts going. I mean, they're angry. Anger leads to murder. You, a, a murderous man, a murderous woman, is, they're, they're, they're red-hot angry. And their only thing is, I've got to take this person out. We've reached the end of the line right here. This are... These are attack responses. I'll tell you, assault, that can be very broad because you can assault someone on the internet. You can assault someone physically. You can assault them behind their back. I mean, there's, you're just attacking someone. Attack, attack, attack. Whether it's physically or with words, it's still an un, ungodly approach 
to dealing with sin and with dealing with conflict resolution. Those are the, the folks who use attack responses here are more interested, look at this, in winning the argument than preserving the relationship. You do not preserve relationships and friendships and lead people to Christ by attacking them. It doesn't work. And it's something we have to say, okay, am I... A, it, when I, if there's conflict in your life, you have to answer. If we, now we're about to get to the, the Bible ones. Am I either over here on this extreme with escape? Am I running away from it? Am I denying it? Or am I over here attacking it? Which camp am I in? Because if you're in one of these camps on the side, you are not in God's plan for how to resolve conflict. All right, here it is. We're going to look up here on the board. Here are the six peacemaking resolutions. These are responses if you want to make peace with someone that has hurt you, you're going to have to fall in these six categories. The first three are what we call personal peacemaking. And the second three are what we call assisted peacemaking. All of these are straight out of the Bible. The Bible affirms this. I want you all to know, if you, if you or I, if we aren't good at making peace with people, we will go our entire lives with broken relationships, people we hate, people we don't talk to anymore, people who are off limits, and that's not God's plan for us. We should not have a life of just broken and burned up relationships all around us. God has called. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. The very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. We want, God has called you and I to be people of peace. The goal of peace is to mend and to reconcile relationships. When something, and, and all of us need to be aware, we're going to get hit with something. There will be something this week, something will be said, or something will occur where you're going to have to either make peace, you can attack, or you can escape and pretend it didn't happen. So here's the peacemaking responses. Number one, to overlook. That is straight out of Proverbs 19.11. That is overlooking offense. This is when you give someone the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe Ray here, he just didn't realize how hurtful his words were. Maybe he didn't really mean to punch me that hard. <laughs> the slap on the shoulder ended up accidentally hit my face. And it, was just, it just happened. You have to just overlook that and say, you know what, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. The world, the, the sun rises the next day, the sun sets, we'll move on. I want to tell you, the, this is where the gift of forgetfulness is really helpful. There's a lot of things in life. You have to say, we're just going to pretend he didn't, she didn't say that. Let's just, it was an awkward moment, but we're just going to move on. I want to tell you, the more in life you can overlook, the more happy you are going to be. You aren't going to be going through your days thinking, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe I just read this. So, well, there was just, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as you looked or, or as it thought. Number two, but you, uh, truthfully, you cannot overlook everything. It's not possible. Some things have to be addressed. Sinful decisions, sinful behavior 
you have to address it. Number two is reconciliation. What is this? This is that one-on-one in private. Ray hurts me. Say, Ray, we need to we need to have a talk. We need to go out to lunch and let's talk about that time that you punched me in the face. Like I, you know, just you know, what was that all about? Were we playing a boxing? I mean, what was going on there? And that that is where it starts. One on one. And the goal of that, the goal of this is to that you both ask for forgiveness, you both apologize, and then you move on like it never happened. That is what reconciliation is. And number three is negotiation. This is where all of a sudden, uh, maybe you ask someone to do something and they didn't pay you enough, and we say, well, we need to negotiate a deal here one-on-one. Let's settle this and, and move on. Now, the strength of all three of these are these do not involve anybody else. You can overlook, reconcile, and negotiate all personally with the person who's been offended. These are all Bible peacemaking responses. means they can be carried out between you and the other party. All right, here are the final three. Now, remember the Bible talks about how you know, ultimately you go to that person privately, but then you have to bring in two or three witnesses because sometimes things aren't resolved one-on-one. You just can't overlook, and maybe they don't listen. So here's what you do. Number one, you bring in now mediation, me a mediator. A mediator is somebody there that's coming in with the goal of helping a resolution to be mended, to be solved. You're bringing in that extra or two extra people says, hey, let's, let's sit down and talk about this. How can we make best of this situation here? That's what a mediator does. Number two is an arbitration. This is an arbitrator. What an arbitration is, this is what they do in Major League Baseball. This is where both parties say, I'm going to bring in, say, Ray and I have a difference. So we're going to bring in Sherry here, and she's going to listen to my side of the story and Ray's side of the story, and she's going to make a decision. And whatever she decides, we both agree to go with it. She's fair. She's um, not biased. She'll probably be biased against me, but we'll, you find somebody who's not biased that you can both trust, and that's an arbiter where you're going to both go with her decision. And I want to tell you why this is important. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, you can write this Bible verse down. If you're ever thinking about suing someone, you need to write this Bible verse down. Have you ever thought about suing someone? You see an attorney on TV and say, I need to call that 1-800 number and get him. 1 Corinthians 6, 1-8, through 8, tell us that Christians, other believers, we should be solving our legal disputes with one another, meaning you should stay out of secular courts. When you go before a secular judge, when you go before the judge who is not a believer, who does not honor the scriptures, you have no idea what's going to happen. At least you, you shouldn't have, you, you hope not to have any idea. But you're going in there, you're hoping it's going to be for you, but truly, you could end up in jail. You have no clue the, what could come from that outcome. The Bible tells us that we as believers, we should stay out of courts. We do not settle our cases in the district court system. That's what arbitration, that's where you find another believer. And and I know of churches that actually have, uh, I know of one church that has an attorney. 
that when there's disputes in the church, he's a common sense guy that can see both sides of the story, and he sits down, and they basically sign an agreement, says, okay, we're going to solve this, and you agree the outcome, and you agree the outcome, and whatever I decide, that will be the final binding decision. And it works, and I've heard it, it goes really well if you have the, you have a, the right person who is an arbitrator. And there's one more here, and this is accountability. Accountability is biblical. This is where all of a sudden, men, if you found yourself looking at pornography, you find yourself um, maybe doing things on the internet you shouldn't do, and you tell someone and say, okay, and they still keep doing it and say, okay, I'm going to buy a filter for the internet, and you're going to be accountable to me and this internet. So now you're bringing in other people to hold you accountable so you do not sin anymore. You're getting other, the goal with accountability is to bring peace to this situation. All these things, mediation, that's just bringing someone in a conversation. Arbitration means I'm going to get somebody else to render a decision and we're both going to agree with it. And accountability says we're going to put some practice, we're going to put some things in place so this, this doesn't happen again. These are what we call assisted peacemaking. Now the Bible tells us here, we are called to peace. We are called because Jesus Christ, He was willing to forgive us and to forgive the entire world and to freely go to the cross and to die and give Himself. We are also called to do the same. Listen, if Jesus forgives you and I, church, we have to forgive others. We should, you should not be here this morning carrying the weight of unforgiveness. Carrying anger and hatred and bitterness and finding yourself in either the escape or the attack responses. Jesus calls our relationships, our church, and our families, even where you work at, to peace. And the real thing is, you need to answer the question, are you a peacemaker? When there's conflict at work and there's problems in the family, are you the one that steps in and says, let's resolve this? Jesus tells us we need to do that. And listen, if, if you aren't a peacemaker, go through these six things again and say, God, how can I use these six biblical principles to start making peace in tense situations? So many times, if you can practice overlooking in that one-on-one conversation, from my experience, 98, 99% of the time, if there's a problem, if you can overlook it, and you can talk to them one-on-one, you got it. It's solved. Yes, there will be those other times. You have to bring in someone else. And you have to go farther down. But Christ is calling us to peace. We should not be believers that go alive, go around with just burned and broken relationships. Jesus can restore. Listen, if Jesus can save you, if Jesus can save you from hell and give you a home in heaven, He can mend your relationships. He can take the worst situation and make it a win-win for both parties. Because why? He's God. And He calls us to do that. Now, for some of you, 
if you read this and you see those passages that says where if a brother sins against you, a brother means a Christian, the first step to peacemaking is first having a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Do you have a daily relationship with Him? Have you read these scriptures before and allowed your Bible to come alive to show you how you can relate to other people? Have you been forgiven? One of the ways maybe you can't forgive other folks is because you yourself haven't been forgiven. Jesus Christ offers that forgiveness. We're about to have our invitation. And I want to invite you, if you have never given your life to Christ, and offer the free forgiveness that he, he came to forgive us. That's the first step to being a peacemaker, is being saved. You've never been baptized. Next Sunday, we have baptism right here. Zach will baptize you. Jesus Christ calls us to that. We're to be obedient to him. If he calls us to peace, he calls us to baptism. And you come forward and say, Daniel, I, Zach, I want to receive believer's baptism. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I pray this body of believers will identify and strengthen ourselves as peacemakers. Lord, you call us to a life of reconciliation. Call us to a life of forgiveness. Lord, help us learn to forgive others. Lord, we should not have a life of broken relationships all around us. Lord, help us have a love for other folks. Help us be the peacemakers in our families and the peacemakers at work. Lord, help us use these biblical principles that you have given us that apply today. God, I pray if there's anybody here that needs to get saved and receive your forgiveness, or they need to receive baptism next Sunday, or they need to make Broadway Baptist Church their church home, Lord, during this invitation, I pray we are bold in responding to you. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for this message here. And just seal it upon our hearts about relationships. Lord, the most important relationship is our relationship with you. Secondly, the most important relationship is with our spouses and the ones we love. Lord, help us guard and protect. Lord, we don't want to be a peace faker. We want to be a peacemaker. Make us into peacemakers. Lord, we give you this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. David Dale is going to lead us in our song. We're going to have our invitation. We close every service with our hymn of invitation. We're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's stand together.